0: Let's go to God in prayer. God, we recognize this morning that we are children by virtue of our creation. The fact that we exist, that we were made by you and made in your image denotes that we are your children. But in addition to that, you have chosen to make us your children by adoption. Drawing us up into that dance of the Holy Trinity, making us sons and daughters like your Son, Jesus Christ, giving us your divine nature. This is grace we cannot comprehend. We don't even fathom what that means or where it is taking us. We have these images and pictures of heaven and what heaven might be like and I think it's going to pale in comparison to what that will actually be like for us. I imagine that our, our, our minds would be blown if we could even get a glimpse of it this morning. So perhaps that's a grace too, that we only have thoughts of what that will be like. But we can sing these songs this morning, that we are your children, that we are your children. And so as your children gathered into this place... This eclectic gathering of people from all walks of life assembled in this room this morning, we approach you as children, speaking to you plainly as children. Something that uh, our ancestors in the faith could only fathom, as we read about Elijah who had to cover his face with a cloak so that. He wasn't killed by your presence. How so many turned away or when they were close to the Ark of the Covenant that that your holiness would just zap them dead in in a minute. And yet, somehow, the veil has been torn. We have access to come to you. We are called children and we can speak to you face to face and plainly. What an awesome gift. What an awesome gift privilege and so we thank you that you are in this room this morning that you are here with us that you are hearing the words that we are praying the songs that we are singing as i preach a little sermon later you are listening to this and you're taking this all as uh, incense being burned to you as our sacrifice of praise because you are worthy And we are so grateful to be able to worship you this morning. Lord, we come to this place a little bit heavy this morning because there are some ways in which we've failed you this week. There are some areas that we have done some things we shouldn't have done. There's some stuff you've asked us to do that we just said, no, not going to do that, and we ignored you. There are some things that we've done very intentionally. There are some ways that we've failed you unintentionally. <laughs> and it's a grace that you don't enlighten us to that because we would probably be mortified in the ways that we have let you down. We just want to confess that to you. Lord, not only are we children, but somehow uh, you as our heavenly Father Say that if we confess, you are willing and able to forgive like that. And then it's up to us to receive that forgiveness, to even understand what that means. Not to walk in shame, not to walk in fear, not to walk in guilt, but to walk away free. Free to try again. Free to leave this place and go out into the world and try once again to be the light of Christ in the world. So forgive us, cleanse us, strengthen us, and help us to receive that forgiveness. Yes, Lord. We also have heaviness on our hearts because I know in this place, there are things that we have been praying for for a long time. There are people, there are situations, we're worried about some things, we don't want that to hinder us this morning. And so we're going to call out names, Lord, throughout this room. We're going to call out names and situations, lift up people, uh, things to you. We know that you hear us, but we're going to ask that you hear us. And we ask that in return, you give us belief in our hearts that you are working toward the best outcome in each and every situation. Hear our prayer, Lord. For
1: the family.
0: Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord in your mercy hear our prayers. John Lord in your mercy, hear our prayers. 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 My dad. Lord in your mercy, hear our prayers.
1: Cargo family.
0: Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The
1: love and Jan and Kim.
0: Lord, in hear your mercy, your hear your mercy. Our, our prayers. Upcoming work week. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My mother. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. prayers. The church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Brother Stacy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers.
1: All All
0: Lord, in your Jesus. mercy, hear our, our prayers. prayers.
1: Brother My... Terry. Lord in your mercy,
0: hear our prayers.
1: David and the band.
0: Lord in your mercy, hear, hear our prayers. prayers.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For expectant mothers.
0: Lord in your mercy, hear, hear our prayers. Our prayer. Unborn babies. Lord in your, your mercy, mercy. Prayers. Lord in your mercy, hear our prayers. Grace band. Lord in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayers. The building,
1: Cherry.
0: Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our
1: prayers.
0: Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Prayer. Prayer. God, I love how even as we're doing this, like two and three and four things are being called up and and it sounds jumbled to our ears and we go, how, how this doesn't even make sense. And yet... You know the number of hairs on our heads. You hear us plainly. (laughs) Nothing is confusing to you. And so we give these all to you. The folks that are assembled on Facebook this morning, no doubt they are typing some things in. We give that all to you. Anything that has not been spoken here this morning but still weighs us down, maybe in ways we don't even know, we give that to you. Free us for joyful obedience and authentic worship in spirit and truth this morning. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: I'd like to invite our children forward for our children's time this morning. Well, good morning. Y'all got here extra quick. Y'all were sitting close to the front. We're going to wait for the rest of our friends to come join us real quick. What'd y'all get there? we a candy dispenser. That's pretty cool. It's not gum, it's candy. Okay, very cool, very cool. Well, I have a question for you. How many of y'all have chores that you have to do at home? How many of you get an allowance for those chores? Do you get an allowance? Anybody get an allowance? I never got an allowance growing up. I don't know what this was like, but I just had to do the chores without the allowance part. But I have a question. So what if we had chores at church, okay, and I had a lot of big chores for y'all, like in the children's wing and cleaning out the closet. What if... Kaylee you got there really early in the morning to help me start and you worked with me all day long and then Jay you came in right at the end and you worked with us for like 15 minutes that would not be fair fair. but what if when you did that I paid you guys the exact same allowance (laughs) whether you were here all day long or only here for the last 15 minutes does that sound right it doesn't sound fair what? Hours, like, whoever, like, you could get, like you can get how much hours and how it could be how much dollars. Right. Like an hourly wage would give you how many dollars you get. What if we all showed up and what if I paid? What about this baby? What if I gave this baby the same amount that you made and that you made and that you made and, you made and this baby didn't even do anything? Uh, would that be fair? No. no. <sighs> I know. It's a confusing time. So here's the thing about God's grace. God's grace comes to us all in equal measure, even though we didn't deserve it. So it's kind of like not earning an hourly wage. It's like getting a free present. What if at the end of the day, every got, everybody got the same free present? Would that be better if we called it a free present? Yeah. Yes. Even though if you didn't work, it would still be better if you got a free. Right. Even if you didn't work, you still get the free present. Or yes. Or she does want to help. Right. Or, or we can all pitch in and help, right? Because sometimes it's fun to pitch in and help and to be there all day and to do the fun and the cleaning and the, the working, huh? You help to be kind. That's a good way to look at doing all that work. That's awesome. Well, we are going to talk about a parable that talks about something very similar to this about laborers that were working, not at a church. They were working in a vineyard, a vineyard that grows grapes. So we're going to go to Children's Church and talk about it some more. But before we do, would you guys pray with me? All right, let's pray. Dear Dear God, thank you for loving us.
0: Thank you for loving us.
1: Thank you for your free present.
0: Thank you
1: of grace that we get every day day. in jesus name we pray amen amen Amen. let's head on back to children's church
0: i was thinking of that oprah show remember that 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 episode of oprah you get a car and you get a car and everybody gets a car (laughs) maybe you guys didn't see that I thought it made the news. I don't know. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Let's stand in honor of the reading of the Gospel, okay? This is red letters, okay? You all know what that means? This is Jesus speaking here. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, am I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you this morning. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, I was thinking about uh, the disciples, and we read these stories in the Gospels about how the disciples are following Jesus, and I don't know about you, but I tend to criticize the disciples a little bit, because I see them do dumb things, and I think, you know, if I were in that situation, I probably wouldn't be that dumb. Peter, Peter is a good example. Peter is always saying things he should not say, right? Right? Peter's always opening his mouth. Remember that, that one scene where he wanted to step out of the boat and walk on the water? Like, what made him think that he could do what Jesus was doing, and yet he was the only one that said, I want to try it. I want to try it, Jesus. Think about James and John. right? They sidled up to Jesus and they said, Hey, listen, when you come into your kingdom, can we sit at your right and your left hand? Because we'd like that, that spot if it's open. Think about Thomas. We criticized Thomas. Thomas said, I ain't going to believe until I could stick my finger in the nail hole. Right? Thomas, come on. What about Judas? How could somebody betray Jesus into the hands of the Romans, knowing who he was? We criticize the disciples. But really, I don't know. If I were there in that moment, and you all are smarter than me, if I was there in that moment following Jesus, perhaps I would make some of the same mistakes, because you never really knew what Jesus was going to say and do. I think that was part of being a disciple, was just like following. And at any given moment, something could pop up that spawned a new teaching or a new saying or something that really took you all day to wrap your head around. And then the next day there'd be some more teaching. Uh, right before this passage that I just read for you uh, in Matthew 20, you may recall the story. There was the disciples are walking along and and this Young, rich guy comes up and says, Hey, Jesus, what do I need to do to make sure that I have some part in the Messianic kingdom? Like when the, when the Romans get run out of here and Messiah takes over, like how do I know that I get to be a part of that? And he said, Well, follow the commandments. And he said, Oh, I do that already. He said, Okay, well, tell you what, get rid of all your money and come follow me. And it says that the young man just kind of bowed his head and walked off Slowly, and then Jesus makes this comment, this comment. He says, you know, it's virtually impossible for a rich person to get into the kingdom. And the disciples are flabbergasted because in that world, to be wealthy and prosperous and well-off meant that you had been blessed by God. People with diseases, uh, people with loved ones that had died, whatever, you know, crippled, blind, Those were people who had been cursed by God. So it's very easy just to look out and know who's doing the right thing and who's doing the wrong thing. And this guy was wealthy. And so the disciples are going, wait, if this person who is blessed by God is not going to get in, who the heck can get in then? And Jesus says, don't worry about it. What's impossible with y'all is possible with God. And then Peter, here's Peter again, right? Peter's the only one that'll say anything. They're all thinking it. But Peter goes, look, look, Jesus. We have left everything for you. We left our fishing boats. We left our homes. We stopped making house payments on our homes a long time ago. I'm sure the bank has repossessed them. We left our families. We have left everything to follow you. Please, please tell me, Jesus, that we will have some part in that age to come. Please tell me that we get to do something there. And Jesus said, yes, yes, Peter. Yes, don't worry. Because anyone who gives up their life for me will find it 100-fold in the next life, right? Yes, you will get it. But then he says this other thing. He says, but Peter, I need you to hear me on this. The first will be last, and the last will be first. And so then he goes into this parable, these dang parables about the kingdom of heaven. He keeps talking about the kingdom of heaven. He does it in parables all the time. But you need to know this parable that we're reading today is in direct response to what Peter has just said, right? Peter says, please tell me there's something for me. And he says, yes, there will be, but you need to know the first will be last and the last will be first. And then we get this parable. This parable about this invisible empire that one day will be visible, this kingdom of heaven And it's a story of this vineyard owner who goes out and he finds workers throughout the day. I'm not going to recap it. You heard it, right? All during the day, he's bringing people in. And at the end of the day, he tells his manager, I want you to go out and line them up, starting with the folks that came last. They're going to get paid first, and then we'll work our way back to the the folks that have been working all day, Right? And, of course, what we see is that the people who were working for one hour get a full day's wage. I imagine the folks, that I, if I were at the end of the line and I, and I see this vineyard guy pay them, who've been working for one hour, a full day's wage, I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together going, oh, this is going to be good. I'm probably going to get five times the amount, right? Right? But, of course, they don't. They get the same amount. And so we see that they're angry about it. They're complaining. They're asking the vineyard owner, what's up with this? And I think the point of this, uh, this whole parable to Peter, and really to us, because we get, we get to read it too, is that in the kingdom, the official currency of the kingdom is grace. It's grace, which we all know grace cannot be earned, right? It's a free gift of God. Grace is the currency in the kingdom. And I think, oh, we love grace. We love grace. We write songs about grace. We sing songs about grace. We name entire churches after grace. (laughs) We marvel at the generosity of God, the amazing grace of God. But think about this. When we talk about grace with such fondness... We always do it with the perspective of the one who has received the grace. Right? Think about this. Think of the the lyrics from Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Grace is awesome for me. Right? Grace is amazing for me. And Jesus here is telling Peter and us, I want you to start considering grace from the perspective of the other. Take the focus off yourself and think about the other receiving grace. How does that make you feel, Peter? How does that make you feel? Because grace, Jesus says, is not fair. Grace is not fair. There's nothing fair about grace. Grace doesn't follow the rules that we follow here. It does not bow down to democracy or equal rights. That's not how grace works. In fact, Jesus says grace does the opposite in intentionally seeking out the least and the last first. That's how grace operates. This is what some theologians would call God's preferential option for the poor. Have you ever heard that term before? God's preferential option for the poor. Some theologians will tell you, you read Scripture and you see that God prefers to go to the poor first. And this is the the poor in spirit, the poor in wealth, the poor in opportunity, the poor in wisdom, the poor in advantage. God reserves the right to pour out grace upon grace upon grace to them first and working his way back to the others. And I love how the vineyard owner says at the end of this parable, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Are you really going to be envious because I am generous? And the answer is, yes, we are. You better believe we're envious. Remember the first time I heard this idea of God's preferential option for the poor in seminary. I was in class. The, 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 the professor was teaching on this idea that popped up in theology. And I, my ego just kind of welled up inside of me. Like my defense mechanisms uh, popped up. And I, and I didn't talk a whole lot in class. I, I preferred to listen. But on this day, I talked. And I said out loud in front of the class, and the professor, I said, wait, 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 wait. God loves all of us equally. All lives matter to God. And it was quiet in the room. And the professor got a little smirk on her face. And she said, yes, that is true. God loves all of us. But God also chooses, chooses to visit the least, the last, and the lost. First, And then Jesus comes along and says, I need you to start seeing the world through this lens, through a kingdom lens, because you are not citizens of this world anymore. You are citizens of my kingdom, and this is how it works. So you better start getting used to it. Ever since then, I've kind of thought of this as the ugly side of grace or the scandal of grace. Grace is scandalous or it can be right I'm still trying to wrap my head around it like I I haven't worked this out in my own head but I know it exists and so I think about it and I was wondering this week how do we get to the place where we can truly celebrate when God's grace is poured out in abundance this story is meant for Peter And the disciples who have left everything. And Jesus says, don't worry, you're going to get it back a hundredfold. But there are going to be some people come along. There's this young punk named Paul that's going to come along, right? Very soon. Who did not walk with Jesus. Who did not give up his home and his fishing boat to follow Jesus. And yet Paul gets more airtime than probably any of them. Wrote more books of the Bible than any of them. Perhaps this is what Jesus is talking about, but, but, but how do we get to this place where we see this happening and instead of feeling envy and defensiveness, we actually say, wow, God's grace is being poured out in great measure upon someone. How wonderful to be able to see this. How do we get to the place where we can sing amazing grace that saved a wretch like them? and take the focus off of ourselves how do we do that I'm going to be real honest with you folks uh, just a minute you know I I don't know if you know what it takes to get ordained in the United Methodist Church minimum of 10 years took me 10 years to get ordained two degrees two years of residency I don't know how many interviews and psych evaluations and tests I had to take. They don't ordain just anybody, right? I put my work in. <laughs> and I'm thankful for it. And I've been able to serve congregations sometimes with joy and sometimes with sweat and tears and sometimes with anger, you know, but I like I've put the work in. And then I, I see these college kids in Kentucky that have some kind of Holy Spirit movement. The Holy Spirit's being poured out on them, and they are praising God for two weeks, confessing their sins, being emboldened, going out into the world with new and fresh ideas. And I think, wait a minute, God, you know the time I've put in. Why isn't that happening right here, where I'm serving? What's going on? Just a couple days ago, I read a national news article about how, particularly here in the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, we had 50% of our churches leave, right, to to join the GMC or whatever they're going to join. And so you can imagine that that has left uh, some stragglers, right? If if you don't agree with your church leaving, you're probably going to leave your church then. And so... Down in Houston, there were several churches that disaffiliated and small pockets of people that left those churches and were trying to figure out how to become a new United Methodist Church. And so the bishop uh, uh, assigned this young pastor to this new fledgling congregation, right?, And people are so excited about what God is doing and about this young hotshot pastor who's coming in that it made the national news because the president of the Council of Bishops mentioned him by name and said, our eye is on this situation and this kid. We're expecting great things. And I'm thinking, God, I've been putting in the time. Nobody's writing national news articles about me. And then I remember, I hear Jesus' voice in my ear, Jimmy, grace is not fair. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with them. It's God's prerogative to do whatever God wants to do with the grace that God has. So suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Perhaps the way that we can begin, I, I don't know. Right? I'm, I'm still working this out, but perhaps the way that we can begin to find true joy for others anytime we see grace poured out, wherever it's poured out, perhaps the way that we can do that is beginning to look where grace has been given to us. Right? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Now think about this. In, the, in this parable, right? you've got folks that are kind of standing around And the vineyard worker goes and says, I want you to come work for me. If you go down to Houston, I don't know about Dallas, but down in Houston, if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, you will see day laborers hanging out there. You ever noticed that before? Maybe you didn't realize who they were. Some of them undocumented, right? They can only work for cash. So they're they're hanging out outside Home Depot, hoping that somebody who's going in to buy drywall will come out and go, you know I need extra help hanging this drywall today. Are you available? And that person's going to say, yeah, I'm available. All right, I'll hire you for the day. Come on, jump in the truck, let's go. Right? Now those people are ecstatic to be chosen to work for the day. And I think of these these guys hanging out or whoever they were looking for work and the vineyard owner goes, come work for the day. I'll pay you a fair wage. And they go, that's grace. That's grace in being chosen and invited into the labor, into the work. That's grace. I think about Peter and Andrew and James and John. Fishermen doing whatever they're doing. Jesus comes walking by the Sea of Galilee and says, you come follow me. You come hang out with me. You I'm calling you into service. Folks, that's grace right there. That's grace. You've just been called into discipleship with a rabbi. That's that's open for only the, the elite. You're a fisherman. You just got called into discipleship. All of us sitting here, all of us have been chosen and invited to join in the work of the vineyard. That's grace, folks. That's grace right there. So many people long to find meaning and purpose in life will never hear about Jesus. We know Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. That is grace. So maybe that's a start. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I do think that Lent is a really good time to process some of this stuff. I think Lent is the perfect time to recognize those places where I feel jealous where I feel envious, those places where I have some kind of twisted expectation of fairness, like I have put in this much time, so I expect this kind of reward. And then when I I find those feelings, then to ask myself, why do I feel that way? It's very clear in Scripture. Jesus makes it clear. So why do I feel that way? And God, what do I need to do to fix that? See, I've got 40 days. 40 days to work some of that stuff out. But either way, Jesus has given us forewarning here. He says it twice. He says it to Peter before the parable, and he wraps up the parable this way. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Expect it. Plan on it. Guaranteed. So, if you're sitting in this room, and you are not last right now, you will be then. it's still grace still grace prepare your heart give way to true joy for all grace that is given whether in small doses whether it's in abundance to whomever God chooses to give it because the ugly side of grace doesn't have to be ugly if we can somehow see how we are extremely blessed and graced let's pray god this is a hard lesson for us today i think uh because we do find ourselves jealous or defensive i don't i don't know why i I don't know why show us that (laughs) help us to understand ourselves and then uh reframe our minds and our hearts to think with kingdom ethics with kingdom principles we thank you for the grace that you have poured out on us i thank you for every person in this room uh, the privilege to be in this place to worship to know jesus uh, to be somewhere on that journey of discipleship I, i thank you for that that is grace in itself and we happily give up um well, we long to happily give up anything and everything for you in hopes that we will receive that back 100-fold. And Lord, as we turn to the table now, help us to understand the grace that is being poured out on us in this moment. We love you and thank you. Amen. you all grab the hand of the person next to you, let's form a big chain around this place. I want you to look to the left, look to the right. That person has received the grace of God maybe in ways greater than you, and that's okay. So with that, receive this. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved. You're completely forgiven and you're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and try your best to live as faithful children of God. You're probably going to make some mistakes this week. It doesn't change how God feels about you. God's love is not based on our performance. Grace is not based on performance. God's very nature is love. There is only one thing that God can do, and that is love us perfectly and completely. So rest in that. Get back up. Say you're sorry, and get back out there. It's going to be okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.